Downloadable Coffee Dallas. I'm your host, Rebecca, and joining me today is... Daniel Shea. (laughs) This is a podcast where we recap about the game events happening around the DFW area and beyond, as well as take a look back at the topics that took over our club, the BGOCC, uh, well, over the last couple weeks, since we haven't been on for the last couple weeks. Between, between like, uh, Michael's studio announcing Borderlands 3 and tax season, it's been hard for us to all kind of get together. <laughs> oh, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, man, it's been a trip. Even attendance has been down at the clubs recently, but only because, like, it's, it's like, it was, like, in the middle of conference season, so past events, it's, like, GDC, then it was, then you roll out of GDC straight into PAX and out of PAX into, like, the next gaming conference, and it was just, like, people were gone one up to the other. <laughs> well, and, like, half the people at the Video Game Open Coffee Clubs are freelancers, so they're having to, like, fill out their taxes as business owners, which is even oh. more... Oh, man, I did that. I'm a partnership, man. Uh, I learned a lot about pass-through entities over the week. Like, this is going to get boring, but I learned a lot about pass-through entities over the week, over the last two weeks, and it's just been like, oh, man, I was in tears for, for like, a week before my mom came up and helped me. That's right. My mom came and helped me. (laughs) And we got it done. I learned that I need to be tracking my mileage and gas expenses. I know. Like, people don't think about that. It's, if you're going to go to a business meeting, if you've got a client that you're meeting at lunch, or you can track and actually get back that stuff. QuickBooks has a tracker. There's a couple of apps you can also use as a tracker. I haven't, I haven't done that either. And I was, like, going through it with my mom going, ah, crap. But you <laughs> gotta you log it, apparently, like... I intended to just kind of give a rough estimate based on like beginning and ending mileages. Nope, they want that logged. Like on this day, my number of total miles was like X, and by the end of the day, it was this, and it was all used for business related stuff and not personal driving. Yeah. And I have logs for all that stuff. Over half the driving I did last year was either towards our club is like a split between going to club events and then doing some things for for the company. Yeah. And that was just like, oof, too much. So getting out of the weeds, let's yeah. bring it back. <laughs> so past events, like like we mentioned, we had GDC, PAX, one of the PAX. I Game forget Dev which Drink Up. Game Dev Drink Up. There's also a couple of a bunch of short guys events. They had a recent studio tour, which happened last Friday. Uh, Dallas Society of Play or Society of Play is currently in the middle of their game jam mm-hmm. there and it's supposed to end next week. Oh yeah, the 24th we're having the the wrap up party where we'll be demoing our our stuff on the arcade cabinet I'm pretty sure. Which, which is pretty exciting. Awesome. Uh, and that's about everything besides our clubs. That's about everything I can remember. Uh, so here's what's coming up next. Upcoming events. Okay, as far as <laughs> upcoming events, oh, and I forgot to mention, we also had um, the Dallas Startup Week, which was... They, it was it has a lot of things about if you want to run your own company, how to how to get funding and stuff like that. But they also opened up a track that was looking at esports because esports is a growing um, 
a growing business here in the DFW area. Uh, we in Arlington they opened up the first like stadium for that's supposed to be dedicated to esports. Um, okay, so upcoming events. I actually don't know of any besides Society of Plays upcoming events. Uh, everything is kind of slowing down because we're we're getting into that middle of crunch time because E3 is what in a month. Uh, that sounds right. And QuakeCon is also coming up soon. And East Coast Gaming Conference, I want to say, is also coming up. If not this week, then next week. Uh, so there's there's just a lot of stuff that's kind of happening that's putting smaller events kind of off to the side. And the last day of the month, this month, I guess, falls on a Tuesday. So so our our beer club is going to be a week later than it normally is, I guess. All right. Sweetness. All right. Well, those are some things that are coming up. And if you would like to join any of them, check out our shout out to our VGOCC.com website where you're able to connect to any of our channels that we are on. You can keep up with any of the events that we're either attending or uh, or might be interesting for you guys. Okay, so we only got less than a week left in this. Wow, less, le- less than left in this month. So we're going to go ahead and recap the le- over the, the last couple weeks, some articles and things that have caught our attention, and we'll go from there. So recap. Da, da. <laughs> Trey, Trey, you can just leave that, leave it <laughs> there as is. <laughs> yeah, Trey unfortunately can't be with us today, and like he, like we said, Michael is busy busy he's in a sprint the gearbox is in a sprint so when they're out of their sprint he'll come back and david is of course out there being awesome doing things and he'll eventually turn back up uh so what are something what are some things that have caught our attention take it away shay um Okay, so we'll kick this off with the rockpapershotgun.com article um, about the Borderlands review bombing. This article is called Steam's New Off-Topic Protections Kickoff in Over Borderlands Review Bombing. So apparently um, a lot of people seem to be pretty frustrated. Uh, A lot of the PC gamers, I guess, are frustrated that Borderlands 3 is going to be at least on the PC, exclusive to the Epic Game Store when it comes out. And so they've taken to review bombing uh, previous Borderlands games on Steam. Um, Well, Steam has rolled out a new feature that is apparently a little slow to kick in. I want to say, according to this article, it took like four days to kick in because there's an algorithm that watches for off-topic review bombing stuff. And then... um, once it decides, hey, there's some there's some off-topic stuff here, it kicks it over to a human to investigate, I guess, and make a final decision, um, which you know is probably a good thing to have 
human eyes looking at it, but but it does take a little bit of time. Um, and now what it does is based on a feature that you can activate or deactivate in your personal options on Steam, um, it will have a modified re- review score with an asterisk next to it that that has like a little warning that says, hey, this this uh, this review score has certain certain reviews omitted from its total score, whatever, based on your preferences. Um, and you can go in and change it if you want. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting that because this this has been a problem that's been going on a lot longer than just the Borderlands three announcement right like i mean time and again we've we've heard about review bombing over the last definitely the last year but but i think uh in particular since epic store started taking off uh and so kind of two two parts on this um first i want to read this quote that was in the article that's from ready pitch for the ceo of gearbox ceo says president and ceo of gearbox uh, and this is in, re- in relation to the fact that Gearbox wasn't actually the one that made the decision to make it only Epic exclusive. This was entirely the decision made on their publisher, 2Ks. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that made that decision. Now, the thing about it is devs have always mentioned like how frustrated they are whenever there's this huge review bombing that happens. And so Randy Pitchford said uh, in a tweet, that this misuse of user reviews is possible and that Steam has no interest in correcting this misuse makes me kind of happy about publisher 2K's decision and makes me want to reconsider Gearbox Publishing's current platform, current posture on the platform. Uh, so it's, it sounds like because of the way that users or, or the consumer market is using Steam as a way to voice their discontent with decisions made that are not necessarily within the developer's control, that for a lot of them, they like that they can't, um, they like that that there's a separation uh, or this opt-in that Epic allows that controls how much negative feedback is received. At one of our clubs, I believe it was a Friday club, we were talked on like from the, on the behalf of the developers. Okay, oh, we talked on the behalf of the developers. Uh, we were talking about how what what really gives Epic this this leg up against Steam isn't just the fact that they're they're controlling what kind of information is put up there, whether it's from developers or from the consumer, uh, but they're our gamers. Um, they're, they also give a huger cut back, a bigger cut back for developers that launch on their on their thing, on their store. Um, what what some people are pointing out though is that there's a lot of features that Epic Store misses because they don't have all of the pieces in place. Like they they haven't been full on. They haven't really talked about how they're going to be protecting your data. Uh, Steam has already addressed how they're doing that. They ha- added a toggle. There's not um, there. There was just like this long list of all this stuff that I saw that Steam has and Epic Store was missing. But a lot of that is just growing pains. Like these are things that are going to be in development. Yeah. The problem is that the developer itself, Epic, hasn't really talked on how those games are going to be like how those features are going to be implemented and at what time. 
um, like what this, the development cycle on those things are. Going back to the whole review bombing, I'm a little concerned with um, with some of the things that were said in this article, such as like the way that Steam has it set up, this algorithm, which a lot of people turn to algorithms when there's a massive amount of information that is just being set in. Like you can't go through that by yourself. So of course they're going to add this algorithm. But algorithms are also very easy to game. Um, it's the same way as if uh, as if you're doing – what was that one publisher that talked their people into going onto the store and leaving positive reviews? It's really easy to game the system in the same way where if you're saying um, – if you put on there, I don't like the fact that Epic Store, like this, this is an Epic Store exclusive. So what they can do is just load up into their algorithm, look for anything that talks about Epic Store and put it as a non-counted view or a non-counted review. The problem is when you do that, people are able to start thinking about how these algorithms are used and then will omit the parts so that their stuff still counts towards the yeah. overall system. So that's a lot in saying that Steam is trying, but they're not getting like they're they're trying, but they're not winning at the same time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Which I mean, it's a tough problem to tackle. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This is one of those ones where it's like healthy competition. On one side, is great for the developers. On the other side, it's kind of hard for the consumers. Um, but or gamers, I keep saying consumers. I apologize. <laughs> I was reading a lot of articles about marketing and SEO and stuff like that. And they're talking about consumers and stuff. So vocab got stuck. Um, but game development in it in itself, like there's obvious benefits to put to launching strictly on, on Epic versus launching on Steam. It's a soul. It seems like solely a money thing. Yeah. Hard to tell you. Um Maybe one day we can have like whoever's published on either platform say which platform they like which because of it. Yeah, I mean I've I have downloaded and been using the the Epic Store. Well, Epic. How do you like it? Um, I don't like the interface. It's the it's kind of clunky and and re honestly like the the interface itself reminds me of all the things I don't really like about Windows 8, <laughs> but um. But it's, I mean, like, I think it's going to be awesome. And I think it's moving in that direction. And I appreciate that they're they're giving away some awesome games. Like, every two weeks, they're changing out what game they're giving out. Like, uh, I want to say right now, they're still giving away The Witness, I think, which is pretty fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's worth getting the store. And it's free, so I... <laughs> like, uh, it'd be different if they were a paywall you had to get over, but it seems like the, the gamer rage has really <laughs> flared up over something that, I don't know, is kind of bizarre. It's it, uh, There's a whole lot of reasons, but it'd take too long to really get into it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's got to be an extension, uh, like an extension topic that we talk on. Because um, there's like, there's just a lot, and I don't, I, I don't want to take up all of our time because we've still got a lot of news to get yeah. through here. So I'm going to bounce to the next topic. has nothing to do with, with Epic Games. It has everything to do with, with Anthem and, of course, Crunch. Now, Crunch has been a huge just, – just, it, it's 
Uh, it's been a huge topic for a very long time. I mean, we've had the Red Dead Redemption 2, where the guy was bragging about having um, devs working almost 100 hours a week to complete the game. Uh, you have Bioware, who is known for their crunch times. You know, it's just it's something that the industry is just really not outgrown yet. <laughs> how to figure out a great word for that. Uh, so this comes from eGadget. Or Engadget, is it, which is titled, Anthem is proof that Crunch can't save AAA games. Uh, so they often refer to Crunch Time as Bioware magic. In this particular article, it's talking about Anthem's, like, what led to a lot of Anthem's problems, the failures that a lot of people are perceiving that, that comes from the Crunch Time, or just, like, a lack of leadership. Where was I going? So what comes out of this article is kind of what might have led to a lot of the issues that is going on with Anthem, like game-breaking bugs, loot systems not working 100%, and some people not able to get in at all. Like those things, like what led to those? And in this article, it talks about how, how a lot of times Bioware leaves a lot of things to kind of the last minute that it's... that they often develop in very in in a kind of a box like their teams would develop in different boxes and then in the final hour try to smash everything together in a big huge crunch time and in the past this has worked for some of their games like mass effect andromeda had this uh what was another dragon age inquisition oftentimes they call it and like, like i said they call it the bioware magic um just waiting till the last second to smash everything together to see if it works. And for the longest time it has, but with Anthem, this was the first time that they, it just didn't. And what they mark here in this whole thing as well is that there seemed to be a lack of leadership or somebody that held the vision together that because everybody was developing in, in their own little box, they weren't actively talking to the other teams to make sure what could and couldn't be implemented and therefore cause a lot of the issues that would eventually hit when the game was released. Um, and I think I want to say here that the final, yeah, it says the final year of development. Let's see. Though the game had been in a twinkle in Bioware's eyes since late 2012, Developers didn't implement a single playable mission until the final year of development in 2018. In the EA stage that we saw in 2007, or the at E3's 2017, that was actually just cobbled together at the last second. <laughs> and the game was actually still in pre-production during that time. That's like a huge... There's a lot of big problems in there. And because of this lack of leadership, because of somebody not holding the vision together, they ended up with in these in honestly ridiculous crunch times. Um, and that's where, where a lot of people mention that because crunch time is a lack of like planning. And for Bioware and and places like Rockstar, they say that crunch time is just kind of something that is going to happen and will exist for all time being. And we, uh, obviously, a lot of people disagree with that, a lot of developers. I mean, there's a reason why people are talking about starting a union in the game, in the game industry, because there isn't a great or solid reason in most people's mind for crunch to even exist. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, well, especially when it's like, okay, you guys are going to work 100-hour work weeks for the next six months, and then we're going to let you all go. <laughs> right. And some other things that this article pointed out, the development on Anthem was so stressful that people were starting to take vacations with the reasoning being, I need to, it's like, I need to get the stress, like you need to relieve stress. It's that there's something specific that they said here, but people were legit taking breaks so that they could relieve stress. They were working over 80 hours, sometimes a hundred hours a week, which for some people that means that that's like Monday through, through Sunday. And that's just, you can't keep that up. You can't. Yeah can't if you're not given if there's not some sort of rest where you're able to just turn off and just be a person for a little while you burn yourself out and that's a big problem with with a lot of these these sorts of industries and especially for creatives in general if you're not watching your burnout rate if you're not managing in that that's it (laughs) like you're just gonna fall apart yeah um yeah so there it was like this the toll had just become too much for a lot of people and they just bounced out. Some even just quit and left. So yeah. Crunch, never a good thing. But like, what is a great way of solving that for a lot of people? It's saying that, um, is saying that management needs to be smarter about it. Project, whoever's doing the project management needs to have more realistic timelines that waiting for things for the last second is in the best way of handling that communications between departments need to happen so on and so forth like (laughs) you can tie it back to a dozen reasons it's never just one problem yeah Uh, okay so we'll leave that there if you if you guys know of a way or have any suggestions or solutions that might help somebody in the future kind of navigate the whole environment um how to develop a game and how to overcome this idea of, of crunch, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on our Discord, uh, Facebook. We're everywhere at this point. If you or anyone you know has suffered from or is suffering from crunch, please call this number. <laughs> uh, 1-800-LIFE-SUCKS. All righty. <laughs> or was it like 1-800-WELCOME-TO-THE-GAME-INDUSTRY? Okay, so what's another article that we have here? Or another one that kind of caught our eyes? Um, Nintendo announced news that they will be adding the, with the Nintendo Labo VR kit, they're adding content to Super Mario Odyssey and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which, um, which that's pretty exciting. I mean, this, this article I'm looking at specifically here is at gonintendo.com. And it's just called Super Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild getting updates to support Nintendo Labo VR kit if you want to look that article up for yourselves. So Labo, isn't that the card, like you can, you make cardboard, yep. cardboard stuff that you can, that you can put together and then use that to control different games? Yes, most of it's like AR kind of stuff and yeah. Um, so but, this is the first time that they're, t- had, and oh, yeah, Nintendo's gone into VR before with like the, what was it, the... Virtual boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yes. The first foray. 
uh, and the Power Glove, the Nintendo Power Glove. Uh, and this sticks with the cardboard stuff. Uh, like it's like a VR headset thing that like looks like binoculars that you fold together out of cardboard and then slide the. So I'm gesticulating wildly. I know this is all an audio podcast, so you can't see me flailing my arms like an idiot. But um, but yeah. I am. Just know that I am. Um, and then yeah, you slide the switch into the. In, in so what it looks like here is that the controllers are like stuck to the side. I don't know. I didn't watch like a video on how they would like control it. I might just. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I I I really don't know how it's going to be controlled, but it looks like. Like Breath of the Wild specifically, I guess the entire game is going to be VR compatible now, which seems pretty cool. Cool. Ever wanted to be in Hyrule? Now yeah. you can. Sink <laughs> another 200 plus hours into that game because the 200 plus that I've already sunk is not enough. Ah. Uh, what a good game. Mm. Okay. Well, stay tuned on that. Yeah, I wonder if anybody in the in the group will, if any of our members or people that like to visit us constantly, <laughs> will pick it up. So I want to know some firsthand accounts. Okay. Oh, and I I missed that those updates are are like a week from now, ish. Yeah, those those are hitting April twenty fifth. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Wow. It'll be interesting. I, I'm curious on like how it's controlled because it looks like the controllers are just kind of still holding there. So okay, let's go to the next topic. We'll kind of leave that one there. Our next topic. So this one definitely caught a lot of attention, both in the Twitterverse and at a club. And it's more so. Before we get into into this article, we'll, uh, the setup is that an IGN. One of, the, one of the IGN reporters, they played Sekiro, then wrote an article about how they cheated on Sekiro, the final boss. They used cheat codes to beat the final boss, and how they they were okay with that. That you, cheating the system didn't hamper or hurt the game for them. They were just like, I cheated, and take it for what it is. Well, this, of course, sparked a huge out. Outcry! Outcry! <laughs> Outcry in the Twitterverse where people were starting to pop up on this guy's channel and tell him that not only did him cheat himself, he didn't play the game to to where it is to the he didn't play the game the way the developers intended. Uh, which I'm not exactly sure how because there's no straight link, and I I didn't say into it. But from what it sounds like. This conversation about how difficult a game is led into a discussion on accessibility and how a lot of these people's comments about how Sekiro should be played and cheating on hard games and what constitutes hard games and gamers is a lot of what people would call ableist language. Um, these, and for a lot of people, they started bringing into, into the conversation accessibility of games, that creating an easy mode for a game does not hamper the way a game is designed. And if your game is designed in such a way that it won't allow everybody to enjoy to play it, then what are you really doing? Games are, for, for a lot of people, games are a medium that everybody should be able to enjoy. Locking it behind difficulties uh, is just a terrible idea. So joining this conversation, it was the God of War director, Corey 
bar logs. Uh, so this comes from indi GameIndustry.biz. Accessibility has never and will never be a compromise to my vision. And um, that's the name of the article, and that comes from, again, the God of War director, Corey Barlog. And this is just like, he's making this statement as kind of like a rallying cry to accessibility as an option for games. And we've talked about this a lot in the past as well, and Microsoft has taken their own steps on, on creating more accessibility with their controllers and so on and so forth. And so in here, there's a lot of great comments about, um, like, the design and the difficulty designs uh, of gameplay. Is it wrong to make a easy mode for some people that just want to enjoy the story? No, I don't think so. Uh, some of the quotes on here that they had for here is, to me, accessibility does not exist in contradictions to anyone's creative vision, but rather it is an essential aspect of any experience you would experience you wish to be enjoyed by the greatest number of humans as possible. Uh, and then there's another quote in here that I really like. And I like this for a very specific reason. I'll get that into it in a second. Easy is subjective. What is easy for me might not be easy for someone else, but with difficulty options, we can both enjoy and experience together and experience together. And that was from... Oh, that was from uh, Steven Sofin, the CEO of the COO of Able Gamers, which is a studio that focuses on creating more games for. Uh, wait, focuses on making games more accessible for players with disabilities. And the reason why I like that particular quote, "easy is subjective," is mostly because that's very true. <laughs> One of my one of the things that I dislike a lot is when people say things are easy. Oh, it's easy to do this. Oh, it's simple to do that. It's like, well, math. While you might be super great at math, can do addition in your head like like nothing. For other people, there's a struggle with doing math. There's like learning disabilities that legit make it difficult to do math. Dysgraphia is one of them, right? Uh, like, so. I like where this conversation is going. It's calling out a lot of a lot of action, action to make games that aren't just accessible to one demographic, but to all. Um, I don't know. How do you feel on it? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it comes down to personal play style. Um, I I think everyone should. I mean. With the obviously we have things like esports, right? There, there is a place like there is a place to challenge our athleticism as gamers, right? But when it comes to like these standalone games, who's to say like how I should play a game for myself versus how you should play a game for yourself? I mean, if you're experiencing the game the way you want to experience it, then then th that's all there is to it, right? I don't know what else there is to say. Um, it's have you played Sekiro? Because this all came about because of Sekiro. I, I have not. I, ha I have not played any of the games from that developer. Um, I've got a lot of friends that are huge um, Dark Souls fans. Um, and I've just... Uh, ha I, I, knowing myself as like a kind of obsessive completionist, I'm afraid to <laughs> even start because I want to play them all and then lose a month of life. <laughs> 
Well, so Dark Souls and Bloodborne are, are hard in their own right. And I, I've played a little. They weren't my kind of games. They just, they were hard. <laughs> they were way too difficult for me in particular, but I love Sekiro. And most of that is because of my particular play style. My favorite thing to do when I go and fight is actually to jump. If, I, if I'm bashing if it's a clash, like if I have a sword or something like that, my favorite thing to do is run up and go and go punch things in the face, right? Uh-huh. And to jump and do that is great. And Sekiro has the jumping in there, which is even awesome, <laughs> more awesome. In Dark Souls and Bloodborne, they don't really have a jump. So it's not particular to, it doesn't like lend itself well to what my particular play style is at all. But you bring up a great point. When it comes to games, a lot of developers think of, the many different play styles that people have. There are some that just like story. There are some that are completionist. I'm not a completionist. I'm a story. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. And there's others that just like to explore worlds. So they'll go more to like open world games. I have a friend who that's his preferred thing to do in games is just to explore everything. But if it's open world, he's you. You just look at his like um, like if they had one of those little map trackers that you would see him just being zigzagged across the map <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it feels like a lot of gamers also don't take into account people's play styles either, yeah. whether, it, whether it's from the, the differently able to, to like the hard, what quote unquote hardcore gamers are like people don't really gamers themselves don't really take into account other people's play styles. Yeah. Well, and a lot of these games, like, the, and I don't know, I, again, I haven't played Sekiro. I haven't even watched any game footage of Sekiro. So I, I, I don't know what what the, the, what the hurdles are in that game. But so many games, the biggest hurdles are level grinding, right? And I don't yeah. feel like, I, for me personally, like, I've done it. I have done level grinding in the past many, many, many countless hours of my youth. You know, Chrono Trigger on a Super Nintendo without the ability to fast forward or save states or anything like that. I've grinded all my levels to all my characters to level 99 or Star Star. Like, I don't feel like I should have to do that in every game. So, like, if I play through Pokemon, do I use the the item duplication glitch and just spam air candies and level myself up the easy way you bet because i don't feel like i should have to do the level grind in every game that i play I when i've done it before yeah no i feel that because i don't i don't like grinding myself either i feel like the leveling systems need to be kind of changed for that particular play style yeah uh, there are people that like like a lot of mmos have you doing the grind Right. Um, Sekiro, there are a couple of places where you have to do a grind because maybe you don't have the skill set you need to beat a boss. So you have to get one of the skills so that you can cheese it so that you can get through. Yeah. My my roommate and I are both playing Sekiro and he's able to beat a boss usually in like a day or two. It takes me nearly a week to get through some of them. I just got through the Corrupted Monk. It it took like years. Just kind of a spoiler alert for those that don't know. Um, you get these snap seeds because this is an apparition. So you can use these snap seeds to kind of get this boss to like lower his health down. And eventually those snap seeds stop working. After that, you have to use your deflect to kind of either knock his large freaking blade away 
or you have to dodge enough that you're out of his range and he has an amazing sweep attack that feels like it reaches halfway across the map and can take out half of your life. And so figuring out and, and having the coordination, the dexterity yeah. to just beat him it took me like took me a week to get it. And I ended up watching different less players and looking at their strategies on how they did, they figured it out. And what I ended up doing is I had to level grind. I had to grind some spirit level so that I could get two abilities that allow me to take on this boss easier. And it eventually, yeah, it, I could finally take him on and progress my story. But to that level, having to grind, and it gets to a point where the more you grind or the more levels you get or more things you unlock, the hot, longer it takes for you to gain a new spirit point. Yeah. And for one area, you just don't have enough or high enough bad guys that you can get enough for it. And you have to find like that one dude. So there's like this one guy that gives like 700 XP. And I kept, I killed him like 16 times just so that I could get like two levels. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. That's yeah. not fun. <laughs> no, it's not. Like when you know that it's just like, okay, I have to stand in this grass and walk back and forth and hit the A button for 200 hours. Like, like that's, that's not intellectually stimulating at all. Like, right. okay, if there's a way to fast forward this, please, let's do it. All right. And I think, so I was watch, I'm watching a Let's Play right now that's kind of playing through Borderlands, the, the re-release of Borderlands. And I was looking at their, le or paying attention to their leveling system. And you can get pretty far without grinding just to get, just through missions alone, which okay. is great because that gives me a point of, of things. The only problem is sometimes the missions aren't diverse enough for you to gain. So you're killing like the same bad guys like 600 times. In Borderlands 1, there's a lot of skags, and you spend like your first 10 or 20 missions killing a lot of skags, or what feels like 10 or 20 missions killing a lot of skags. Yeah. Um, and that in itself isn't fun either. I mean, the first Assassin's Creed game got called out because its missions were so repetitive. Uh, you you have like the same, what was it, like five or ten missions that you needed in order to like get all the information so that you could go get, kill the, the target. Um, so, but there's not like a great solution that I've seen in any game on how they've conquered the repetitiveness that you come across. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's all to say. Like, we love it. It's just, there's a lot of, depending on your play style, there, there can be just a lot of unfun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, I I still, once in a while, will do the grind thing, you know, like, because I still play my Super Nintendo on a regular basis, and there's there's no way around it on most of those games. Yeah, yeah. You can bet the ones where there is a way around it, I use the way around it. <laughs> Okay, so what's the next thing we have up here? Um, we had honorable mention the PewDiePie. Oh, no, no, you had you? one more. You had one more. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. We, uh, more electronic or more more game industry layoffs. Um, EA. So this article is at GameIndustry.biz. Articles titled "Electronic Arts Closes Japan Office as Part of Mass Layoffs." I mean, the article is pretty self-explanatory. That's exactly what they did. They had come out and made a statement saying that they were going to reduce their presence. Uh, they were going to be reducing their presence in Japan and Russia, and apparently, at least in the case of Japan, that meant closing the entire um, Japan 
I guess, like headquarters or branch, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a total of 350-ish people um, okay. lost their jobs. Yeah. So we've had e- we've had um, Activision Blizzard lay off about a hundred, like 800 people. And uh, we've had we've seen 200 here, 300 there, and now we have three 350 more that are just being laid off. And they in that same article they also mention uh, EA's Russia office, how they're moving the staff around currently, but there's no word on whether or not they're going to be shutting that down as well. The developer or the CEO, Andrew Wilson, says that they still want to have a presence in both areas, Japan and Russia. But there isn't like he hasn't really talked on how they're going to continue to support support those regions when you don't have an office. Yeah. And it's not to say that you absolutely need an office in that region. It's just how are you supporting? Yeah. I went to Google and pulled up a quick list of of studios that have closed in the last year and this has at least 12 they've got visceral um motiga runic gazillion entertainment the bartlett jones supernatural detective agency boss key productions wargaming seattle carbine obviously like telltale games was a huge uh, story you know that we discussed multiple times i think on the podcast and then this one surprised me i i didn't realize capcom uh, Vancouver, because I mean, Capcom's been knocking them out of the park with the last few games they've they've put out. I mean, they've they, they Devil May Cry Five, Resident Evil Two, Monster Hunter World. I mean, they've had some massively successful games. So it's surprising anyway, for some of them. Like we know, like they just didn't get the funding. But for some of these other, like the big, big bigger publishers, is it's curious as to why. Yeah. Is there, um, is there, so a lot of these reports say that like the revenue is down, they didn't make as much as they thought they would because the games didn't sell as well or something along those lines. But is that a symptom of a bigger problem? And what is that bigger problem for? Are we having an epi- uh, economic downturn? Is there a recession happening? What's going on that's causing a lot of these game studios to either shut down? Or to shut down, in some, in some cases, the big, biggest publishers completely close close studios. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? I feel like there's a bigger thing that's happening, and it's impacting not just the game industry, but a lot of different industries as a whole. And what that is, is, anybody, yeah, is a gas at the moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, our hearts go out to these people. Oh, for sure. I mean, in contrast, um, studios that are shutting down, there are developers that are stepping up, mostly through the Twitterverse, and announcing and letting people know where, where jobs might be. That sometimes it, some of them might require you to relocate, but at least we're seeing a huge movement in the community to help other people find find work at this point. Uh, and in contrast to a lot of shutdown CD project, who is the maker of Witcher, the maker of Witcher, <laughs> they and soon Cyberpunk twenty twenty five. Cyberpunk. It's a Cyberpunk game coming out. Um, they have announced that they are planning on 
making 250 jobs. <laughs> the question that was mostly that a lot of people have is like, where's that money coming out of that allows them to generate this kind of work? And the article that I had saw, and I wish I had it up, they didn't actually give a huge explanation on it at all. It just said, we're going to do it and just kind of left it at that. So, okay, well, so that's a thing. Um, all righty. So, yeah, let's go into some honorable mentions. Uh, da -da. Uh, so, one honorable mention. The reason why I didn't get into this, believe me, I want to, is just I've got to look into a little bit more. But PewDiePie has announced that he is going to uh, join a new live streaming platform called DLive, which uses blockchain technology as a way to fund streamers and creators on the platform and pays uh, and pays using their oh man what was the coin called it's their pay they have a particular currency that they're going to be using uh, there's a couple of red flags in there for me that kind of tells me that this isn't there's a little bit more to like discuss here but a lot of people are excited because PewDiePie is kind of throwing his name into the hat or in something here trying to find the name of the coin um, but it's going to take me too long. So I'll do a little bit more look into that to kind of understand what's going on here because they're they're developing on a on the Lino network, and I'm not sure like what kind of what what that is exactly yet. So I'll look more into that and come back with like a a status report, or we leave it hanging out in the air like we always do with everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one that's an honorable mention. Again, we also talked about more about the Epic Store. And that seems to be like a huge topic right now. Uh, what other things were there? There were some mentions about the game union. Oh, uh, I just looked it up. S-T-E-E-M. Steam. Steam? Is the cryptocurrency that DLive is going to be paying. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do huh. more research on that. Surface. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so that's the thing. What was I saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Epic Store. Oh, um, at GDC, there was mention that um, people that were related to the game union or the gamer union that's supposed to be starting up, uh, that they were being silenced at GDC. Although there was some discussion on the Discord about whether or not that was true, as some people were seeing seeing claims that they were being silenced and others saw that they had a huge presence at the convention. So, mm. Yeah, one of the questions that came up was, like, did they pay for, like, a booth to be presenting and giving away pins and stuff? Because... The, um, because if not, like from some people's perspective, if you just show up and start giving away swag, like some people see that as stealing because a lot of people paid a lot of money to have booths there to give stuff away. So I can kind of see both sides, maybe, if that was the justification, but but I don't know, because I wasn't there. But, but. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and then we also have some more stuff about Steam devs. This is kind of from the other side. It's like... Um, this guy was at GDC, realized that because he does a lot of work through the Steam platform, he had a lot of insider knowledge. And so he was sharing some of that on Twitter, things like the release date you set in your Steamworks is important, even if you hide it. There's other things that says like, um, oh, okay, no, sorry, that was the wrong thing. I, it's the same guy he posted two times. So 
uh, he was sharing some insight on kind of what what to see when you work with Steam. Then there's another tweet on here that's about um, Activision that they have. It, we didn't really talk about this. Now that I'm remembering it, I, I kind of wish we did. But it's talking about a pregnancy app. There, it, Activision has a couple of apps that they give to their or allow their employees to have. They have these uh, partnerships with them that can help their their employees have healthy pregnancies and then afterward are able to track the health of the child for a lot of people this called in like why do you and on the back side of that they have an agreement with uh with the the app creator that allows them to receive the data uh, anonymized data from all of these apps that are used by their employees uh and a lot of people have been like, why do you even need to know about how women's pregnancies are? <laughs> like, why do you need to know about when her next time of the month is kind of thing? What what the heck here? Why, why do you need this information? So a lot of people are just finding this to be absolutely terrifying that Activision would have that much of a reach into the personal lives of their of their people. And the final thing here that I have uh, is... The new Star Wars game, Jedi Fallen Order, it has been announced. They just released their reveal trailer. And, or, yeah, okay. And there's an article here whose headlines, I feel like it's kind of sad when a game has to start, when games start um, using this as their defining points. But no microtransactions or multiplayer. (laughs) (laughs) No rest easy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's this is it's kind of sad when you're starting to use that as your way of like you're defining for the game. Yeah. Um, and of course, we want to say a huge congratulations to Michael, who's who it, two weeks ago, um, his group, his company announced Borderlands three. Um, so that's the that's supposed to be out in September or something. Um, so yeah, Woo. that's that's all of our honorable mentions. So far, that's about it. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah. so We're get back know, uh, what you think in the comments. <laughs> We're kind of getting back into the swing of things. We're hoping to pick back up very s- shortly here. We're already talking to a number of people who are ready to be guests on the podcast. So stay tuned for news on who we're going to have on. We're talking to copyright lawyers, people that are interested in game union, uh, some devs. Different devs uh, from action, from big name studios. Um, so we'll keep you updated on who's going to be on next and where we go from here. All right, everybody. If you would like to join our physical meetups, you can come to Thursday or Friday. Thursday is the Whole Foods at Runner Road in Plano. The and Friday is Nerdvana in Frisco. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. Or if you can't make it, feel free to follow us on any of our social media platforms. You can find those at VGOCC.com. We also have an open beer club that is the last Tuesday of the month, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So are we doing, I guess I guess we should discuss that. Are we doing the 30th or the 23rd this month? Are we doing the, the very last day of the month? We always do the last day of the month. Like whatever that last Tuesday is, is what we do. <laughs> Then the, so, yes. Yeah, then the 30th, last day of the month, 
if you want to meet us at Brain Dead Brewing at seven o'clock PM, we'll see you close there. Out, close out your your April with us. Celebrate the fact that your taxes are done. Maybe you got a return. Maybe you owe money. Come out, drink with us, share the share the joy or your woes. Let's have a great time. In the meantime, thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to Trey, who has been awesome about keeping keeping our podcast sounding amazing and has also joined on some on some of the episodes. You can listen to the last couple. He's been on those. Thank you to Anwar for helping us out. And a new member of our podcast, Courtney, has also joined. And she's the one that is starting to help us with our outreach. So if you've seen her out on the Twitterverse, give her a shout out. Let her know that she's doing an awesome job as well as anybody else. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Have a good morning.